0: Welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie Decherico.
1: I'm Danielle Henderson. And we are here to talk about (laughs) movies with you. Yeah. I almost forgot my name. Yay.
0: (laughs) I do like that little pause. It felt dramatic.
1: (laughs) What if I change my name and I'm like, I'm Danielle Truman Esquire. And this is how you're finding out. (laughs) I like that you Esquired yourself.
0: You're just like... I'm a lawyer now.
1: If you're going to change your name, you might as well just change your name. Like add <laughs> all the shit. Esquire. Ms. Dr.
0: Danielle Henderson. Esquire. <laughs> DDS.
1: How, <laughs> DDS for sure. Yeah. J, J.D. <laughs> go for it. How are you this week?
0: I'm good. Um, as you can see behind me, I'm no longer in Uh, The room that I've been in for the past, like, eight or nine months.
1: (laughs) You make it sound like you were in captivity.
0: (laughs) I mean, weren't weren't we, though? She
1: escaped, folks. She escaped.
0: (laughs) Weren't we, though? Isn't it an escape? I'm in Georgia. I'm actually in Atlanta, Georgia right now. My hometown.
1: How does it feel to be back? Well, it's only been like, I mean, it's been a minute. It hasn't been too long. But how does it feel so far to be like on your own again and
0: um I did enjoy hanging out with my family for quarantine. I did enjoy it. And um it was a great experience. I don't think I'm ever going to have time like that ever again. I was just thinking about that. I was like, mm. when in my adult life will I be able to like spend like almost a year with my my parents and my family? Like Yeah. I haven't been in their house since I was like 18 years old. And yeah. I don't know. Just the unique circumstance of the pandemic, I think, was sort of this thing where I was like, oh, my God, I have this opportunity to be with them. And, you know, everyone's getting older. And so it's kind of nice. It was nice to be there. Um, But, you know, I came back to Atlanta and um, I already am like, God, there are so many bugs here. I can't (laughs) believe how many bugs are here. I'm covered in mosquito uh, bites. Ugh!
1: I know we both left L.A. and moved to like the woods.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's strange because so both in L.A. and in where my parents live in Florida, there aren't a lot of trees. I mean, there's like palm trees. But, you know, for the most part, you can see like open sky, you know, yeah. buildings and open sky. Right. In Atlanta, the whole city is kind of covered by like an urban forest, I guess. So there's just giant tall trees
1: everywhere also is this is this an example of like a real life example of can't see the forest for the trees
0: okay i really
1: never know what that meant what what does that mean (laughs) i think it means that (laughs) you're so like you're so focused on the small thing that you can't see the bigger picture So is it like when the first time you lived in Atlanta, you were just like used to it. So you weren't aware of that you were living in an urban forest. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And now you've come back and you're like, all I see is forest. All I see is trees.
0: I don't know. Once you got you get used to living in a certain climate and then you come back to another one, you're like, oh, shit, like there's it's just, you know, it's a big, big change.
1: Yeah, because it affects your whole day. Like the humidity affects my whole day. If it's going to be humid. I will change my fucking plans.
0: Yeah, it makes you um, I don't know if this is your case. It makes you get up either really early to do stuff or like wait until the sun goes down.
1: Yes, that is the schedule. Far- it's farmer's hours or vampire hours.
0: <laughs> if you want to go walk the dog, you either have to get up at like seven o'clock in the morning or wait until 8 p.m.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the dog's like crossing its legs the whole day. Like, can we just go out? And you're like, no, it's too hot.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to ask you what is going on with you though. A lot of our a lot of our listeners are like really all in on your house. Like they're like we want the updates. We want to know what's going on with Chauncey. We want to know what's going on with the barn.
1: So Chauncey is goddamn pushing it lately. <laughs> I was outside today sitting down on the porch. He's getting very bold cuz he's now coming up to the screen and like doing that like poking up thing like where he just kind of like you know there's nothing there and all of a sudden his face is just like right next to me uh-huh. um and he's also started squabbling he's squabbling with people under the porch so i'll be sitting in the living room or something and just hear this high-pitched screech and squeal and he's just like boxing a chipmunk
0: where are the wife and kids while this is happening
1: i don't understand They're out digging holes in my fucking yard They're digging holes by the fucking fence. I've just about had it with this. Their cuteness factor is diminishing daily. (laughs) I'm like, you're real cute, but I'm going to break my fucking ankle in my own yard. And now you're like getting so bold that you're like in my face, like, yeah, motherfucker, what's up? I'm having a goddamn fight club underneath your porch. What are you going to do about it? Like, it's getting a little much.
0: In my mind, Chauncey is it's like that movie far and away with Nicole Kimmon and Tom Cruise (laughs) where Chauncey has to go and fight people in pubs for money in order for them to like establish their own settlement as like a family. And I'm just sort of like, oh, now this is a a family endeavor where Chauncey goes to fight and then the the mother and the kids are building the homestead,
1: you know, and. I, I completely agree. And it's, it is. It's it's like gold rush days going on underneath my fucking porch. And then the deer has had her baby. So there's like th- two, like, I think there's three fawns and they're adorable. They just run all over the yard. Like they just constantly are running back and forth. And the mom's always trying to like corral them. Like you can tell she's trying to like push them towards the creek or like push them in a different direction. Yeah. And here comes Chauncey and his fucking bruiser family. <laughs> Like, chasing after these fawns. And I'm like, can you let them be? Like, not everyone is fighting in this world for space. Like, they're fine. Like, let them be. But I I want to... So, Chauncey, that's the Chauncey update. He's pushing it. Okay. He's pushing it this week. He's getting bold in a way that I do not appreciate. (laughs) But the i guess one other update is that i'm so i'm renovating my own kitchen um i resurfaced and sanded the cabinets and painted and spray painted hardware and did all that stuff i skim coated some walls removed some corner shelves um i'm just doing like the prep work and i think this week i'm going to actually like paint walls install a backsplash and do that kind of shit sam Um, are you
0: doing that by yourself
1: Yeah, my brother did. My brother and sister-in-law did help me remove at least 14 yards of wallpaper because every time I peeled off a piece of wallpaper, there was another kind of wallpaper underneath it.
0: Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was
1: like, I'm going to lose my mind if y'all to come over here and help me. So they were champions in coming over and helping me remove wallpaper. But yeah, I'm doing everything else myself. And um, I'm just going to kind of, you know, slowly but surely get some shit ready to go. Um, But I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you some options for the next thing you want to hear about, because there's three other things happening in this house. And I'm going to leave it up to you to tell me what what you want to discuss. Choose my own
0: adventure. All right.
1: Choose your own country adventure. Um, Do you want to hear about one, the fact that I have to replace two hot water heaters? (laughs) Mm. Do you want to hear about the fact that my hot water from the well smells like hot eggs?
0: Enticing.
1: Or do you want to hear about the thing that's living in my walls?
0: Uh, C.
1: Okay. <laughs> so the thing that's li- there's something in my walls. Oh my god! I don't know what it is. It oh could god. be a choice of either just just judging by the animals that are like in the yard, it could it could be Chauncey or one of <laughs> his goddamn bold ass family members who are trying to take over my house. <laughs> could be a groundhog. It could be a chipmunk. It could be a squirrel. It could be mice, mm. but I will say I was standing at the kitchen counter making some food and all of a sudden behind me, um, my oven's in like this brick wall that kind of leads up to the, the furnaces for the fireplaces and the, and the wood burning stoves. I shouldn't hear anything in there. It's brick. Yes. All of a sudden I hear what sounded like human footsteps in the ceiling and wall above me. A skittering, like something was like using ferocious claws to try to climb. Mm-hmm. A thump and then something ran. So there's something living on my walls. I did what I always do. I called Corey. Yes. Um, He came over and because I was about to leave town for a couple of days and um, he came over and I was like, all right, ghost protocols. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it is. Can you please go upstairs? Make sure there's no like like sooty footsteps coming from the fireplace or something and then just close all the doors upstairs like i just don't even want to deal with it right. <laughs> and my friend sarah came over as well and she was like you know um you kind of her her bottom line is always you live in the country asshole which i yes. appreciate um but she's like you just have to kind of get to a zen place with it and like you know turn up your fucking speakers and just pretend it doesn't exist and i'm like mm, i'm not that person quite, but. I've been trying to reach this Zen place about it because I had to leave town for a couple of days. So I put a series of cardboard boxes in front of the fireplaces, covered those with the fireplace screens. It looks absurd. I will definitely send you a picture. Oh, it yeah, looks for sure. Absurd. And um, then I left town for a couple of days and I was like, peace, sayonara. If anything gets loose in this goddamn house, eats its way out of the wall. I'll find out when I get back. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came back, I heard it again. The nails, the skittering, it sounded like it was coming from near the baseboard heater in the kitchen. Mm. And, um, you know, I just popped on that Bluetooth speaker and uh, turned up the Phantom Thread (laughs) soundtrack (laughs) and just, you know, kind of hung out on the couch. And I thought... If something is in my walls, it's in my walls. This is how Zen I have to be about it. It's like when I um, I was, I'm afraid of heights and I used to be afraid of flying. And the only way I could get on a plane was to recite to myself and remind myself that I can't fly a plane. So if we crash and burn, it's just what's meant to happen. Sure. And that's now, now how I feel about my house. If there's something in my walls, it just has to die there or figure out how to live peacefully with me, <laughs> peacefully with me, because I can't deal with this shit. <laughs> I can't deal with it. I, I keep texting Sarah and saying like we went to a um a friend's house for a little cocktail party this week and she came back and texted me a picture and she was like oh I, thought, I felt a bug on me and it was a tick and she like showed me this squashed bloody tick and I keep texting her at least once a day we can't live like this <laughs> like we can't live like this I but know. here we are living like this and it's just life now and it's it's a big adjustment in so many ways particularly adjusting to having an uninvited guest living in my walls and i'm hoping it's an animal it could be a fucking little kid from down the street i don't know
0: it's probably a raccoon because every time i've been camping i remember i told you that story about how i went camping and it sounded like a fucking fully grown adult was outside my tent and i hear the skittering and the human sounds that it usually is a raccoon so i don't know maybe it might be a raccoon i don't know if your town has a Uh, mythical creature that lives in the town that people have seen over the years, but nobody can confirm, but it's become a legend.
1: I think I'm the mythical creature. I think I'm that (laughs) mythical creature. I think she moved back, but we have not (laughs) seen her anywhere. It's because I go grocery shopping at midnight. You won't see me.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's got to
1: be something.
0: And either it'll probably die in there or get bored and leave so
1: (laughs) Uh, maybe the scratching sound i hear is like it's playing tic-tac-toe with itself and it's like this is fucking boring i need a crossword or some excitement It just bounces out right that's what i'm hoping but that's what's going on that's what's going on it is weird to own a house and be responsible for things that i don't want to be responsible for sometimes but such is life if i open up the wall while i'm renovating the kitchen and something pops out i'll figure it out
0: yeah i mean. Uh, it's such a great idea for you to own a place and to have your own space. But then it's like, yeah, a lot of like homeownership is like the surprises of like animals, creatures, bugs, bad wallpaper, bones in the attic, you know, that kind of stuff. Haunted so,
1: barns, haunted
0: yeah. barns, bats, A fucking
1: punk rock groundhog underneath my goddamn. porch. <laughs> I swear to God, it sounds like he's moshing under there. <laughs> like, I don't know what he's doing under there. So, yeah, that's that update.
0: Well, I, uh, I wish you the best. I hope that that thing figures its way out of your wall and decides to terrorize another family down the street. Just
1: burst out of the wall and into my heart by leaving. <laughs> Get out. Oh, well, we're, gonna, we're taking like a hard turn away from this country-ass moving, readjusting <laughs> for both of us into our episode this week.
0: Yes, this episode is quite a do's, I must say. Um, but I will say that I think this was sort of your brainchild. So I think we got to we got to flesh it out a little bit. So what's the theme this week?
1: So the theme this week is I didn't get it until. Mm, mm. So <laughs> Care to share what this is about, Danielle? Yeah. So there there are certain actors that I think are kind of known to be beautiful or hot or like charming or attractive in some way. And a lot of the times I don't get it. And then there are certain actors and and I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I put it aside and it's fine. I can appreciate their acting ability and not want to bone them. Then there are other times where I'll get a little, something a little sneaky and they'll sneak up on me. And I think, oh, I've put this actor in this category forever. And then all of a sudden, here they come with a wet wool coat and a fucking Tommy gun. And I'm like, (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) So we created a whole category around kind of around surprise horniness. And let's let's face it. Let's be honest. This episode is going to be about horniness to a degree. Mm. The last episode's. Have been about horniness, and I'm sure future episodes will be about horniness. It's just where we are. It's like remember, um, in the '90s, did I make this up? That there used to be something called the Old Crow Medicine Show.
0: Yes. No, it's still around.
1: Okay, because I feel like we're doing a version of that. That's like the old Horn Dog Movie Festival, or something, or like the <laughs> like the Horny Lady Movie Zone, or something in that same vein
0: well and but to your credit as well okay as much as this is about sort of because every person has that moment where it can and it doesn't even have to be horniness but it has to be this like moment where everyone around you or everybody in the culture seems to be like fixating or obsessed with this like one thing and you just like don't understand right right but then maybe a long time after, maybe after many, many years, and suddenly you figure out, oh, well, now I like the thing that everybody was talking about before. And maybe it's because you just didn't understand it then, or maybe it was just shown to you in a different light and now you're like okay i get it so that's so i was just saying yes to absolve you of your um you know of the idea that we might just be like two horny old ladies right
1: (laughs) my greatest fear is that that's that's what i will devolve into (laughs) so thank you for that well i'm already
0: there unfortunately so i'm just (laughs) i'm just gonna have to live with it but i but i will say that it is just a light bulb moment for a lot of different things but yeah particularly for for, for these two movies, I think you and I looked at it through the horny lens, but if we do this theme again, which I feel like we will. Okay. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be about horniness. Sometimes it's just sort of like humor, like movies that everybody thinks are really profound or really funny. And you're just like, what? And then many years later, you're like, actually this movie kind of rules that might show up in a recurring episode for this theme. So it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Like it's going to be about hoarding this this week, but it's also bigger, man. It's, it's a, bigger than that. There's a deeper thing at work here. Okay.
1: It's kind of like how um, I never wanted to know what a visco girl was. And now <laughs> when people talk about, and I don't even know how to pronounce it. Is it choogy? chuggy, chuggy, Ch- chuggy,
0: chuggy, chuggy. Alexis should tell us put it in the chat Alexis our producer
1: how do you pronounce c-h-e-u-g-y I think it's chuggy and then maybe in 40 years I'll want to know what it is but I sure as fuck don't want to know what it is now and if chuggy is not about Chewbacca I don't want to fucking know about it
0: (laughs) chuggy I knew it was chuggy I don't want know Maybe I'm not even saying it's chugi. It's like what it, <laughs> like, I'm like pr- pronouncing it in an Asian way and it's definitely not that, right?
1: It's the ancient art of chugi. And maybe if it was, I would get into it. I appreciate your take on this theme because <laughs> there's a lot to talk about here. And it's not just horny in it. You're, you're absolutely correct. It is Truly about recognizing artistry, you know, keying into a certain genre or actor. Like it's more than that. But this week for me, it is about just really not seeing someone's physical appeal until I watched my movie.
0: Okay. That I will say the same exact same for my movie. So we're on the same page. Who's going first?
1: <laughs> you're remember? going, you're going first. Me? You're going
0: first. <laughs> the Chugi Visco is going first, I guess. <laughs> Fuck.
1: Can all I right. call you OG Visco from now on? <laughs> <laughs> Which also has a kind of like a strange kind of like, oh, that's Millie, OG Visco. Like if you just say it all at once, it sounds like you're like a sensei.
0: Listen, call me by my Visco. Do it.
1: <laughs> OG Visco. I've got my notes. I got my notes. My notes are minimal and intense.
0: I started out writing it out and then it just went into like, blah, 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 I just was like, I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just going to say words.
1: We're going to riff. We're going to riff a lot. In this.
0: Episode. Gonna, because it basically is like a little bit of a defense of my actor and then it devolves into Dante's peak bullshit. <laughs> so let's just say that
1: we're still on Dante's peak.
0: <laughs> we can't not Dante's peak. So my movie for the theme of I didn't get it until is a movie from 2019. It was directed by James Gray, and it's called Ad Astra.
1: What can you tell us about the Lima Project? Its objective was to search for advanced extraterrestrial life. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. And the commander was? It was my father, sir. You know, I have comments on this because we saw this together in the theater. Yes. And I had comments then and I'll have comments now.
0: Um, Let me just say that I think I was surprised at how both of us reacted to this film, because I honestly think we went to see it. It it wasn't a complete lark, but it was that thing where it's like, what else are we going to see? And we're like, let's just go see Ad Astra. And then we both were like, shook coming out of the theater. (laughs) And I was like, are we shook? What fucking happened in there? I will say this about the director, James Gray. Now, uh, this movie was made a couple years ago, so it's, it's a newbie. We don't do those often, but Mm -hmm. the director, James Gray has made probably about a half dozen movies and they either have featured Joaquin Phoenix or Mark Wahlberg. That's all I know about James Gray. I'm sure he's a lovely man. Um, but that's all I know about him. And, um, When it comes down to it, I want to give my personal history with the actor Brad Pitt because he is obviously the subject of my film this week. Okay, now Brad Pitt's been around for a long time. We know this. He's a Hollywood star, a legend, Mm -hmm. perhaps. Um, When I was growing up in the '90s, is when he kind of came on the scene. Obviously, we talked about this in the episode, the Juliet Lewis episode with California um you know started out as a actor was in tv he was in a lot of um you know television i think it was like in an episode of wasn't it an episode of like family ties or something it was like he was in a (laughs) 80s sitcom or something or head of the class i think it was head of the class (laughs) even better (laughs) yes but you know as young actors you know start they start off with like tv and some you know uh Bit parts in movies, I mean, I think people mostly knew him from Thelma and Louise, because he was kind of a, he was kind of a young hottie, and I, well, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, like, he's great in Thelma and Louise. Like, he's kind of perfect for what that role requ- yeah. required from him, right? But for beyond that, I largely ignored Brad Pitt in the 90s. I mean, I never really thought of him. You know, like I said, I think Thel- he was really fun in Thelma and Louise, and of course, now, I think the film Interview with a Vampire is like camp genius. It's so great. I have to tell you, we gotta do that movie for an episode because I have I saw it recently after not having seen it since high school, and I have so much to say about it. So we gotta I
1: will jump on that chance with you because I haven't seen it since it came out. And when it came out, I was like, what the fuck is this? What's going on here?
0: I think I I thought it was suspect because I was like, why is Tom Cruise in a vampire movie? Why is he in an Anne Rice movie? He's fucking, you know, the guy from Top Gun. There's no way he can be goth. But boy, is that movie so crazy. I can't wait. When it comes down to it, it's like, okay, Brad Pitt, right? Like, I know that he's been in a shit ton of movies. Like, I I mean, and in fact, I have seen movies that he's been in over the years and thought, OK, that's fun. Like, I saw Moneyball, thought that was yeah. fine. Um, and I think the Ocean's Eleven movies are fun, despite the fact that he looks insane in those movies. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever revisited the, like, first Ocean's Eleven movie, but I'm like, he's oh, got, like, bleach blonde hair, and he's wearing this, like, insane suit that's, like...
1: The collars on those suits—it's oh,
0: so like the two thousands are crying. It's like the really <laughs> wide collars with, and they're kind of shiny. It's like, oh my god, why is he dressed? I mean, it's just this like smash mouth. Like the whole thing is fucking <laughs> smash mouth to me, and don't really know why. Um, but I am totally fine with the fact that he's just a famous guy. Who made enjoyable movies for people, and he was a famous hottie to everybody but me. Apparently, yeah,
1: and me. I'm like, I appreciate him as an actor. I don't need to find him attractive. Fight Club, very. I- I'm I'm distracted by smooth, muscly bodies. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why. That movie
0: came very preloaded with a lot of bullshit for me. So it's <laughs> like, even if even if he like was um like a perfect specimen of like muscular maleness. I wouldn't have cared because I'm like, that movie is something I just cannot get into. Like, I'm just like, that just can't be the movie that I like. There's just too much going on. Too many people I don't like love it. So let's just move on. Right. We're
1: getting into that for a bonus next year. I'll give you some lead up.
0: Yes. But even in those moments, I still didn't, it didn't register. But then in 2019, Which is the same year that Ad Astra came out. This other little movie came out called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed (laughs) by Quentin Tarantino. And it was in this moment, the 2019 year, that I was finally like, I think I am possibly ready to receive the Hollywood hunkiness of Brad Pitt. Like, I'm finally ready for it. Okay, I
1: was right there with you.
0: And here's why. OK, in that movie, he played a character named Cliff Booth. Right. And Cliff was this like. Stunt man. Grizzled, suntanned to his death. Cigarette smoking, shirtless on a roof guy. Right. He had bad Navy tattoos. He had a ch- his chest was sort of like burnt, kind of in that like gas station hot dog ish kind of way, like kind of crispy crispy bronze with like some white chest hairs poking out. And it was at this moment that I was like, oh my God, I need to run to Wikipedia to find out how old Brad Pitt is right now. And it turns out he's like 55 years old. Right? (laughs) So I'm like, okay, here we go. Brad Pitt has become what I call craggy hot, which to give you my definition of this, this is craggy hot is typically for me, An actor from the 1960s or 1970s who is middle-aged, sun-damaged, hairy, pickled from too many, like, old man cocktails. He's got a smoker's cough because he smokes two packs of filterless cigarettes every day. He wears polyester slacks. And I'm sure that if you were to, like, go into the lines in his face, you would find actual dirt in them. (laughs) Okay? Now, the the first time I ever discovered what Craggy Hot, like the essence of Craggy Hot was, was when I saw that movie Gidget from the 1950s with Cliff Robertson. So Cliff (laughs) Robertson played the big kahuna in Gidget. And I was like, Cliff Robertson is Craggy Hot. He's 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 like a surfer. He's like a beached surfer. And he has his voice is so. Affected by cigarette Consumption that I'm like Wow he's like a craggy hot Dude And
1: I am still on hot dog skin And dirt in the crags Dirt <laughs> in the crags Love that description so much
0: Oh my god and like so from Gidget Is when I started you know and I work in, At TCM so I see pictures Of old fucking actors All day long so I'm like yo Who else is a craggy hottie George C. Scott Martin Balsam, Lee J. Cobb, Ben Gazzara, Robert Vaughn, Jack Warden, George Kennedy, you name it. These are craggy hot actors. And they usually are either in like crime films or, you know, it's like if you were in 12 Angry Men or The Magnificent Seven, you are likely craggy hot. I'm just saying.
1: I love this definition. I appreciate the artistry you're bringing to this definition. (laughs) The research.
0: And it is the truth. It's the truth. And dare I say, Brad Pitt has moved into this mode. Okay. I could not agree more. And I don't know his actual personal life. If he's like smoking a bunch of filterless cigarettes, if he's like a Paul Mall guy, I don't know who, I don't know his life, you know, but in the character of Cliff Booth, this is exactly who he was. He was cracking hot. So cut to Ad Astra. Now, I'm going to give a one sentence synopsis of Ad Astra right now. Okay.
1: So. And is it just the <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's me slapping my own face. Um, now, a one sentence synopsis of Ad Astra is an astronaut named Roy McBride is sent to Neptune to reunite with his estranged father and to destroy a secret government project once spearheaded by his dad in order to save planet Earth.
1: There's a lot going on there. That's a great one-sentence capture of that film.
0: Thank you so much. So I'll just tell you, at Astra, okay, it's a nice film to look at. Don't get me wrong. It's a nice film for multiple reasons, right? There's a lot of different kind of experimental sort of camera techniques are going on a lot of like cool editing apparently james gray the director had consulted with some experimental filmmakers when he was making this movie so obviously he wanted to make it artistic and nice to look at and you know this film as it unravels, you realize it's kind of moving around in time. There's a lot of flashbacks and there's a lot of kind of memories that are occurring in the film. And there's not a ton of dialogue. Um, it's mostly just really the Brad Pitt character. It's kind of his narration and it really is kind of like his sort of innermost thoughts, you know, yeah. but otherwise the movie is really sparse. And, you know, that's a great thing, I guess, if you want to convey <laughs> the loneliness and isolation of space. They did a good job conveying that. Um, absolutely. But for me, you know, it really does kind of remind me a lot of like movies like 2001, A Space Odyssey or like Solaris by Andrei Tarkovsky. If you've mm-hmm. ever seen that extra credit, just saying. Um, and, you know, the score is really great. It's done by Max Richter. And it's yeah. kind of this like minimalist sort of electro soundtrack. It kind of reminds me a little like of Silver Apples or something. It's very, Mm -hmm. very great.
1: It's a good soundtrack to write to as well.
0: Yeah, it's great. And, you know, generally it is a contemplative science fiction movie, which I got to be honest, doesn't usually get me to the theater on opening night. It's usually a movie that I'll watch stoned in the comfort of my own home About eight months to two years after the movie comes out.
1: And this year, that year of 2019 was a rediscovery of Brad Pitt for me because as I said, I've always put him in this category of interesting actor, hot to other people, and that's fine. And I think with a tip off for me in 2019 for rediscovering Brad Pitt wasn't necessarily Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Do you remember he did this, this interview and this, photo shoot with gq Uh and he's like in the sand and just like kind of throwing himself around a desert and there's a particular photo where his eyes are full of tears and it's a beautiful photo in general but it's like the articles talking about his divorce and his children and i think and again this like most episodes this one could be categorized in Renaming our podcast, What's Wrong with Me? I think once he was sad, I got it. Like, oh, you're not just like hot and freewheeling. Yeah. Like, shit is, life is beating you the fuck up. And that is when he became interesting to me.
0: But it's also, I think, too, a symptom of age. I think, especially after a certain amount of time, you know, and I will say this from personal experience. You really do sort of like take a long sigh about a lot of shit that you used to do and just the relationships that yeah. you used to have and the and the things that you used to do. And I think you do sort of like settle in you like the house sort of settles a little bit. Yes. Right.
1: And it's like a, a revelation of vulnerability that I think yes. is also comes with age and that is very, very appealing, very enticing.
0: And I think that Ad Astra is honestly kind of an extension of that. Yeah. Uh, And and maybe that's probably why we like fucking (laughs) locked in on it. Cause we were like, we just read this article where Brad Pitt is sad and this entire movie is about him being sad exactly, and (laughs) contemplating his fucking life.
1: Of course we love this movie. And my, my thing is basically like, um, I think the the main note that I have about why he does it for me in and Ad Astra two words sad eyes. Like if you can have sad eyes in a space helmet and lock me into that story like I'm with you on the journey forever. I Listen, am with you.
0: Ad Astra more like sad Astra. Am I right? <laughs> Brad Astra? Brad Astra is sad also, Astra.
1: What you call craggy, I have um, in my own life been calling jagged face. Yes. Like I'm so much more interested in the character of someone's face as they age. Yeah. Like if you look like you could slice ham on your face, I want to know everything about you
0: and we slice a lot of ham with brad in this movie because honestly like you know it's a space movie there's a lot of close-ups of his face and i gotta say they get real close up on his old man face and fuck yeah i'm in
1: there give me some eye bags give me some fucking forehead wrinkles like i'm into that shit
0: yeah there's like moments where
1: they're so close in
0: with the hd camera that you can see like the bags under his eyes twitching i'm like that's real shit right there I'm like, That's Timothy shit. Chalamet could never, could never. <laughs> so, ah. let me get, I'll just give you also like a couple of beats of this film that are, because here's the thing if you look at it as the sort of like a study of Brad Pitt as a 55 year old man experiencing ennui, mm-hmm. it's a great film if you think about it in terms of what the science fiction part of it is doing you're like this movie is kind of ridiculous okay (laughs) (laughs) so brad pitt's character is a astronaut he has no children he his wife who was played by Liv tyler has just recently left him because apparently he's super fucking detached and emotionless and he loves being alone a lot let me tell you something about Roy McBride. Okay. Uh, we're talking about like a, you know, a sort of point in the future that's undetermined. I don't know if this is like, I think it's in the 21st century. Don't know if it's like 2099 or something. It's, it's, it's basically like now, but enhanced. So just imagine that's the, that's the sci-fi world that we're in. Okay. Because, in order for him to be able to travel to space, he has to get like his fucking body tested at all times that he's got to have like Mm -hmm. a mental health check before he, you know, goes into space. Roy's resting heart rate is 47 BPMs, which is fucking insane. Okay. And all throughout the beginning of this movie, you know, he's in flashback talking about his failed marriage, talking about sort of like, his circumstance was it's just like he's a lonely astronaut. And I want to say something right now about this, okay? They always make movies about dudes like this, okay? Like mm-hmm. there's always a movie about like a solitary, meditative guy who can't form relationships and they're only good at like one thing, whether it's like being a fucking assassin or a kickboxer or a cattle wrangler or an astronaut. And I just want to remind Hollywood. That women need their own fucking version of this shit. Okay? Like, do you think that we don't want to be alone in space and that we're not silently pensive and methodical and that we have failed relationships and we live in sparse shitty apartments, but we know how to like make electronics and shit? Like, how come we can't be this?
1: Where's the movie for women who know how to solder and don't want to have kids?
0: Yeah, I was like, I want the conversation starring a woman as opposed to Gene Hackman. I want, like, Le <laughs> Samurai, instead of s- starring Ellen
1: Delon, it stars a woman. And- I agree. And it's one of the things that bothered me about this movie is Liv Tyler has zero lines. <laughs> she says jack shit. And while he's explaining, like, yeah, like, I'm a lone wolf, man. Like, I just, you know, I could put on the veneer, but... Ultimately, I just like to hurdle myself through space by myself. And I'm like, you're not by yourself. If you're in space, there's like 500 people trying to make sure that like you could actually pee when you need to pee. Like you're yeah. never. alone. that's the other thing. I'm like, most of these lone wolf dudes are never alone. There's like a whole infrastructure propping them up so they could be insular.
0: And yes, Liv Tyler speaks virtually no lines in this film. She will win the Oscar for best key dropping on a counter. I guess that's <laughs> what she'll win. Um Okay, so here's the thing about Roy McBride. So he is detached and emotionless even when he is on a space station and an electrical storm hits the space station and he fucking falls to Earth from
1: space. This is literally one of my notes where I said, if you can keep your shit together while you're spinning through space. You're interesting to me. (laughs) (laughs) That helped heighten the level of interest I had in Brad Pitt and getting the Brad Pittness of it when I'm like, he's speaking in a really calm voice. Like he's a doctor just kind of relaying his notes for the day while he's hurtling off a fucking space station. It's a cool move. It's a good, good script writing. Good move.
0: As, as a person who dabbles in science fiction, what are, what are the odds of somebody surviving a fall from a space station to earth?
1: I mean, the way I write it, it would be zero. Cause I can't even <laughs> imagine someone ex- living through a falling off of a roof
0: right i always thought that if you like fell to, it's like is it like the bends or something like if you fall too fast through the atmosphere you just burn up or something like that
1: or just like the the whole the the velocity of it and like i don't know there's got to be something going on with your organs and you're going through so many different levels there's so much that you have to understand about space and how and that's not like my i don't understand space i make things up about space sometimes for fun but I don't get it and it's like I don't think it's possible to be like guys I'm just going to like not talk so much because I'm like uh feeling the pressure of this and I feel like I'm going to be unconscious and I'm you know losing altitude really quickly like I can't, when a plane goes through turbulence I'm like what the fuck's going on <laughs> like I am not that person I don't understand how he survived this
0: I don't either and if you're a scientist like if you're a volcanologist with a degree in space falls Please email us at I saw what you did pot at gmail.com. Can Brad Pitt fall off a space station and, you know, fall to Earth in a holy ass parachute and survive? I really want to know this question. But anyway, so here's the thing about Roy. So Roy basically f- survives the fucking fall from space. And then the government basically tells him, look, your dad, who was also an astronaut, He went to Neptune many years ago and he was on some space mission shit called the Lima Project. And he's been there for 16 years. He might have gone insane. And we think he's causing literal shit storms. (laughs) It's literal electric storms that are affecting the entire solar system and all life on Earth. We need him to stop.
1: Okay. and you're the only one who can do it apparently. <laughs> and this is
0: where the sci-fi to me is starting to get a little fucking bonkers cuz I'm like, okay, you got one guy in Neptune for 16 years causing these great big storms that are going to kill life in the solar system in the entire solar system. And then <laughs> you got to go get him. Roy, that's your fucking job is to go get
1: Surprise. your dad. Surprise, he's alive. Surprise to Peace. You're going to Neptune. I'm like a virgin intergalactic flight.
0: Yes. Because here's the thing about Neptune. Okay. First of all, we're again, we're in this future where we're like, okay, it's sort of like now, but it's kind of like reimagined. It's kind of better. There's commercial space flights. Okay. And let me just tell you right now during this whole sequence, because here's what happens to just give it to catch you up with what's going on in this movie. So Roy's got to go get his dad on Neptune. Now, whether or not his dad has been able to survive for 16 years on Neptune, which is far as fuck, okay? And this isn't like silent running where his dad has created like crops and an ecosystem and like there's animals for him to like eat. I really don't know how he's been able to survive alone on Neptune for 16 fucking years. But anyway, His son's got to go get him. So, what they do is they say, We got to be like a secret squirrel mission about this. So, you're going to go to the moon, like everyone's doing these days. And then we're going to sneak you on a secret trip to Neptune so we can handle this shit with your dad. Okay. So, they show this scenario where Brad Pitt and Donald Sutherland, who is an ex colleague of his father's, They take a commercial virgin space flight (laughs) to the moon. Now,
1: which I kind of loved. I kind of loved that scene.
0: It was great. The only thing was A, a pillow and a blanket cost $125. (laughs) B, at the airport on the moon, there's an Applebee's and a Yoshinoya, which I was like, gross. (laughs) And C, How annoying will commercial space travel be? Like, if you thought Instagram was irritating now, just wait until people are like posting fucking pictures on their commercial spacecrafts. I'm like, I'm definitely quitting Instagram.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm Tommy Lee Jones in it. I'm going to be Clifford McBride. Be like, you need to shoot me to another fucking planet where I don't ever have to interact with any of this. If I see one selfie on the moon, I'm fucking out of social media forever.
0: (laughs) So, what ends up happening is they take this commercial <laughs> spacecraft. As it turns out, Donald Sutherland is too old to actually travel to Neptune because it takes like seventy nine days. <laughs> and as it turns out, the government is basically like, Roy, let's send a message to your dad just to let him know you're coming, OK? So he sends them a message, or he they prepare a statement for him, which he reads, and nothing happens. But then he comes back a second time and it's like no let me get on this mic and say some real shit to my dad so he does Mm -hmm. and apparently his dad has responded but now the government's like oops actually this is actually too chaotic we can't send you to neptune we don't know what's going on with your dad so thanks but no thanks here's your flight back from the moon let's just call it a day and brad pitt's like fuck that
1: i got some i got my daddy issues out on display now yes and we're gonna deal with this shit."
0: Exactly. And he meets Ruth Nega's character who mm-hmm. is now here's another thing that is blowing my fucking mind about space in this film. So Ruth Negga is like the director of operations on Mars, because essentially what happens is they have to travel from moon to Mars. And Mars is sort of like the last stop before Neptune. Okay. Don't know why that is, but I'm just saying that this is how this movie operates. Okay. And when they're on Mars, Ruth Nega is like, hey, I'm the director of operations here. By the way, I was born on Mars and I only went to Earth one time and it was nice, but I don't remember it or whatever. And I'm like, "Okay, you were born on Mars. How do you know how to dress? Like, how do you know anything (laughs) about what's going on right now? Like, how do you know what clothes are? How do you know what? this comfort room is with all these flowers and beaches. How do you even know what a beach is? Like I'm, I'm sitting here going like, is somebody is born on Mars. Does she just automatically turn into a, like a human on earth? Like, I just don't understand. I think she would be different. I just love the, the how do
1: you get dressed?
0: <laughs> like, how does she know how to wear a pantsuit? Like, she's just like, Okay. I'm just rolling up in this like j jill outfit i'm like they don't got j jill on mars or she wasn't raised
1: like feral she was raised on like a space station in mars with human beings who had come from earth so they had to impart some of that wisdom to her but she definitely like developed this like turtleneck j jiller style (laughs) on mars and i kept thinking like is is this weather appropriate like how are you getting into it Is, is i always think that the purpose of space and and you know the the focus of being in space is survival. So like if I'm wearing like a wide leg linen pant, am I able to hop into a spacesuit real quick? <laughs> That's what or am I just I'm like <laughs> getting fucking buck naked and then like strip it on the way down to my suit and then I get in the suit? Like <laughs> I don't understand that.
0: Well, and here's the other thing that fucks with me. Okay, so she was born on Mars, but here's the thing: you find out her parents were part of the Lima Project. Okay. So they worked with Roy's dad, TLJ, Tommy Lee Jones, who plays Roy's dad. Okay. They were actually killed in the Lima project because what happened was the Lima project is basically a way for them to figure out if there is intelligent life in the universe. Right. So it becomes this like singular mission of the Tommy Lee Jones character to find this out. And Over time, apparently people in the Lima Project were fucking pissed off and they wanted to go home. And then instead of letting them go home, he just killed everybody, including Ruth Naga's parents. So she didn't even have any parents, grew up on Mars, somehow learned to wear a fucking turtleneck in linen pants. I'm just saying, would that happen? I'm not into science fiction. I don't know. But to me, it seems a little weird.
1: But I want to write a show that is your version of questions about science fiction. Like a whole episode that's like, how did you learn how to wear that outfit?
0: I mean, maybe I'm thinking about it wrong, but this is just how I think. That's all I'm saying. I'm like, I'm looking at people's pants. But anyway, as it turns out, Ruth Nega is like, yo, Roy, go to Neptune. The government doesn't want you to go anymore, but we're going to sneak you into the ship. And that's what happens. Basically, there's a series of like events where he has to like get on a ship with other people. Those people get attacked by baboons. Shit goes down and he ends up in this rocket to Neptune alone for 79 days. And and he's in zero gravity. He's alone for 79 days on a ship and he starts fucking feeling his feelings. And he's thinking about Liv Tyler. He's thinking about Santa's dad. And as it turns out, he, he rolls up into Neptune. He sees Tommy Lee Jones there. And let me just tell you, he shows up, he confronts his father. And there's a moment that killed me dead. I have to say where he's talking to his dad. He's like, remember me? I'm your son. You left us. You've been in Neptune for 16 years. and." Tommy Lee Jones is basically like, yeah, I never thought about y'all. I didn't really think about y'all. Like I was like, he yes. was like, I don't think earth is my home. I don't remember my son or my wife. And this is just who I am. Sorry. And Brad Pitt is crying. And I yeah. was like, I need a moment here, folks. I was crying alongside sad Pitt at that moment.
1: Yeah. You were crying in the theater too. I remember. Oh my God it's brutal yeah and it's also like it's so were you were you still getting it with brad pitt during all the space bullshit or was it once he got back to this emotional heft is when you're like yes i get it again
0: yeah i mean throughout the film he's definitely like feeling his feelings but it wasn't until he makes this like really lonely flight this secret mission to Neptune that he was never supposed to go on. And then that was the moment where I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I want. This is the GQ magazine. This is all of my projections about who he is as a person happening in front of me. And then as it turns out, you know, as the movie goes on, he has to basically get his father off this ship so he can blow it the fuck up so that the human race will be saved. And it's just His moment, his moment of like trying to figure out like if this life that he has is worth it, and it's very much like you know the meaning of life. Who am I? My relationships, my wife, my dad, etc. And it just got me in the fucking feels. And I gotta tell you, it was it was the moment where I was like, okay, now I I didn't get it until this moment. I didn't get you, Brad Pitt, but now I fucking do, and I like it. I feel you. Old and sad.
1: Who knew? I knew. That's been my <laughs> MO from day fucking one. <laughs> like, Don't approach me if you don't have gray hair. I love a gray stubble. I also just realized in watching this and kind of like, oh, I get Brad Pitt now. I like people who look like they have insomnia. Like you can just tell on their face and body, like they just aren't sleeping well. And like they just kind of just a little bit of life has kicked their ass is kind of where I'm at and I I, that is so prevalent in this movie and it was just like a beacon of light that's like yes in your mid 50s I fucking get you
0: yeah I mean listen the rest of the world can have Brad Pitt with low-rise pants fighting in a warehouse in his peak I will have Brad Pitt crying about his father on a spaceship that's who I will like Completely. That's just the way it's going to be. So I didn't get it until ad Astra, and now I understand, and that's that's what's going to happen. So
1: I'm with you. I we had this. We had. I think that is what was happening in that movie theater when we saw this movie. Is we both had that realization. Just give me give me an HD cam on those eyelashes, and I'm I'm in it.
0: Give me those wrinkles, please. I want a sleepless, sad Brad Pitt, 55 plus gray in the beard love it that's my movie
1: i appreciate that you chose this movie
0: thank you so much i know you felt the same way so i didn't feel like it was a surprise to bring this movie to the table but i gotta tell you
1: yours is quite a dues yeah mine is unexpected to say (laughs) the least (laughs) And I remember when I pitched this.
0: I cannot wait to ask you about this.
1: I remember when I pitched this, and I think you were silent for at least 10 entire American seconds before you started laughing. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, girl, I know. I know. I think
0: I was working it out in my head. I was like, (laughs) yeah, okay.
1: Well, my movie for the theme, I didn't get it until, was released in 2002. Directed by Sam Mendes, and it is Road to Perdition.
0: He goes on missions for Mr. Rooney.
1: Take Mike with you. Enough Paul. Take Mike with you.
0: They're very dangerous. That's why he brings his gun.
1: Uh, so, this movie was written by David Self. He wrote the screenplay. It's based on a graphic novel by Max Allen Collins and the illustrator, um, Richard Piers Raynor. Um, One sentence synopsis. (laughs) One sentence synopsis. In 1931, a mob heavy and his son seek revenge on a mobster who murdered their whole family.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: This cast is incredible. So we have Paul Newman, who plays like the crime boss dad, John Rooney, Daniel Craig, Um, CR and Hines you got Jude Law you got Stanley Tucci Tucci. and the focus amidst all that (laughs) my focus is that I did not get it until I saw this movie about Tom Hanks
0: wow wow
1: now Tom Hanks has been a staple in our my movie going life since I was a little kid I remember watching episodes of *Bosom Buddies on TV. Like he's been in my life for most of my life on yeah, screen. We just talked about Joe versus the Volcano. Recently. Yeah, the burbs. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: we've done him many times already.
1: We love a Tom Hanks moment. And this there's so much going on in here. So the, the fact that it's set in 1931, I think, is a big part of it for me because he plays this guy, Michael Sullivan, who is. A guy that works for the mob. And, you know, they're in um, they're based in Chicago, and he's like the heavy. So he comes home at one point, and um peter's his, his youngest kid, is like, what's Papa's job? Meanwhile, he's like, you know, taking like guns and shit out of his pockets, and then he takes out a rosary and he basically has like a kill kit. And it's like, Daddy's a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy's a murderer for hire. But that is a departure for Tom Hanks. And I think that's where I start. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I kind of get it because it's a departure. Like, I get why I get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of it for me, this is, I believe, don't hold me to it, but I I actually do hold me to it. I would be surprised if I'm wrong. This is the only movie where Tom Hanks does not crack a smile, Mm. does not crack a smile. Serious, stoic, not laughing, not making us laugh. He's played serious roles before, obviously, but this yeah. is a movie where he doesn't fucking there's no visible joy in him. And again, call my therapist. I fucking love it. I love a man with no visible joy in his heart.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: I'd be surprised if
0: people thought the theme for this week was guys that have no joy in their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say No. But it is interesting that both of these roles that we're talking about in both of these movies are guys with like a lot going on. And they got a lot no smiles, no smiles,
1: <laughs> no time for joy, which Mm-mm. is bizarre for me as someone who laughs nonstop in my own life. Right. But this is also like Mike. Mike Sullivan is also a character who like his own children call him, sir. It's like that kind of time where like he's not you're not calling him Mike if you came from his seed. Right. right. (laughs) He's like, you will call me, sir. Um, But I really I love I love the feel of this movie. It's very dark. It's very like it makes sense that it was based on a graphic novel because it has these like it's a very shadowy, dark kind of kind of film. Mm -hmm. And you've got this relationship that he's in with John Rooney, with Paul, Paul Newman character, which this is his his. I think it. this isn't his last role ever. It's his last role where he was on screen. I think he did some voiceovers and I think he voiced cars, like a, one of the trucks and cars after this. Mm-hmm. So this is one of Paul Newman's last films. And you can see that he's kind of sick. You can see that he's kind of old. Yeah. And this relationship that he has with Mike, Mike Sullivan, is so interesting to me because you're seeing this guy who was like taken off the street by John Rooney and raised as his own child, who he kind of loves more than his own child. Right. And you can see them, like there's a scene where they sit down at the piano together and they're playing and it is so beautiful. And it's just like, it's indicative of how jealous his actual son Connor is. Like it sets up a good, a good, a good push for the, um, the plot. But it's just so interesting to me to see Tom Hanks being silent. And stoic and calm. Yeah. And he is not trying to make anyone laugh. And he is not. There's just, again, no joy in his heart. And then his whole family is murdered. So (laughs) he's like, definitely not here for the laughs. So Mike Jr. sneaks out one night, sees his dad do something terrible, like sees him shoot a bunch of guys. Connor witnesses it. Connor's like, oh, your kid just watched us kill a bunch of dudes. Um, So... That's not okay. And Connor basically puts a hit out on his family because he doesn't trust that the kid will be quiet um, about this hit because Connor wasn't supposed to do this hit to begin with. So Mike and Mike go on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not like the adventures of Pete and Pete. The adventures of Mike and Mike are very somber. (laughs) Yes. It is a somber ass road trip where now part of Mike Sullivan Sr.'s revenge is robbing the banks that the mob keeps their money in mm. as a way to try to get to connor and kind of get back to get, get back at this family that that killed his um, but we we're just gonna go back for a moment because again the, the the what i get the the thing that that gets me about tom hanks in this movie and the reason i get it and it's the first time i've I've always thought he was like cute and funny this is the first time i thought he was like actually attractive he's beefy in this movie
0: yeah that's the thing i noticed about him too and you know what so this is a period piece right so it takes place in the 30s is that what you said yeah
1: 1931
0: we know those clothes are bulky at best right boiled wool like overcoats like motherfucking like, there's a scene where the kid is like outside playing, and those kids are wearing like knee socks, shorts, suspenders, a, a a long sleeve shirt, a cap. They might as well be wearing like a full body suit. And these are like, this is like kids at play.
1: Yeah, that's your play clothes.
0: No one's w- walking around in like you know shitty shorts and a little t shirt. It's like these clothes in this era are made. To last wars and pestilence and whatever, and it's like, yes, I know that that makes people look bigger, just because you know, in the in those era, those clothes are so heavy and sturdy, and they're just big. But then I was like, wait a minute, I actually think he's a little beefy on top of that. So what's yes. up with that?
1: Right. I love a beefy Tom Hanks. I do, too, man. I do, too. Who knew? I mean, he's got the wool coat, the wool hat, the wool shirt, the wool underwear, like everything is wool. And he's carrying it with ease because he's a little bit beefier and he cuts a nice figure in it like he's imposing in this movie. He's very imposing (laughs) um, in this film. And that's a big part of it. And I didn't know this until Alexis, our producer, told us this, but he was wearing a prosthetic nose in this movie. He was? And it's like very well done because you can't really I couldn't tell. Yeah. At all. Um, but yeah, he's wearing like a prosthetic nose. So like he's beefing up everything. He's beefing up his nose. He's beefing up his shoulders like he's just a beefy dude. <laughs> what
0: <laughs> is this based on a, a character? Is that why he wore a nose prosthetic or were they just like we got to give him a beefy nose? These guys needed beefy noses back then.
1: I don't even I don't even remember like the um the specifics of why. <laughs> I just remember she told us that and I was like, huh? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and yet it works. I mean, I do
0: love a beefy nose when it gets down to brass tacks.
1: I love it. I love it. And it's just like I don't I don't know that it's it's not even so much about like the strong silent type. It's like I like a I like a strong, silent, withholding dad. Like all of those pieces have to be together for me to get it.
0: Yeah. I don't well, know. and also, too, if somebody were to have guessed that these two movies are about withholding dads, <laughs> I would have said you're not wrong. Exactly. Because in both these movies, basically, I mean, because the the interesting thing about Road to Perdition is that. It is the story of like fathers and sons, or kind of father figures and sons, really, because it's like you have the kid that's so fascinated by his father, right? He wants to know yes. what he does for a living because, you know, in those eras, you know, like these guys were like the strong silent types and they did not reveal much about themselves, especially if they were fucking hitmen and worked for the mob, right? So. The son is trying to figure out his dad, but then Tom Hanks is also, you know, forging his own way with his father figure, which is the Paul Newman character. So, yeah, I mean, if somebody were to guess that these two movies are about dads, I I would say you're right. But also you're wrong because we are (laughs) talking about Tom Hanks in a wool fucking coat.
1: That's like the high road version (laughs) of this episode we're like he's fucking cute when he's beefy that's where we are and you're like or it could be about the complicated relationships between fathers and sons and the emotionally withholding society we live in sure but beefy is where it's at
0: (laughs) okay because i will say you know i feel like tom hanks has held a gun in other movies that he's been in i mean he held a gun in forrest gump what are your thoughts on him on in that movie
1: Didn't work for... Because he was happy. He was a joyful gun-holding motherfucker... In that movie. (laughs) (laughs) In this movie... He's holding a gun... Like he fucking means business.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm like... Boris Gump was... Happy holding a gun... In Vietnam. Um, (laughs) I mean...
1: But... You know... (laughs) uh,
0: I will say... Listen you had me on period piece. Cause normally, you know, we talked about this in the bonus episode about Colin Firth in the Kingsman. And you know, when somebody has a a retro look, you're like, um, hello, Tom Hanks too, being that he is generally the funny guy who we laugh at when he freaks the fuck out on something. So he is playing against type he is in a period piece where he is not smiling and he's holding a tommy gun I'm starting to understand it a little bit is all I'm saying well yeah I I think it's just against type but for you personally do you love a 30s gangster is this something that I don't know about you
1: yes I have instead of you know like the the posters I used to put on my walls when I was a teenager it was all like the gangsters who shot their names into the sides of banks and shit (laughs) like no I don't have a Gangsters. I don't have a thing for any gangsters. I don't like violence that much in my day to day life.
0: (laughs) You don't have a poster of Edward G. Robinson on your (laughs) (laughs)
1: desk? I took that down twenty years ago. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) This is why none of it. This is why none of it made sense, and it snuck up on me. Yeah, because this is not even like I don't dress like a '30s person. Like I'm not into that era. In general, in terms of like, you know, the aesthetics of it can be beautiful. And I appreciate it from, you know, the like a clothing making perspective. Um, but I, there's nothing about that era that's like, yeah, everyone was hot. It's like, no, most people were like syphilitic and fucking, you, they got a cold and they died. And like, there's nothing hot about the 30s, really.
0: I mean, it's temperature wise very hot because there was a scene <laughs> where. Is it the scene where Tom Hanks and Jude law are in the diner and Tom Hanks is sweating in that diner. And I'm like, okay, it's because of these fucking boiled clothes, these (laughs) 1930s oppressively hot clothes. And our guy is sweating in this diner right now. And I don't know if that's his character or if that's just the man in the fucking jacket, but I was like, damn, those clothes are hot, man.
1: That is some supreme acting that we couldn't tell.
0: But him being hot is hot. I don't get it. Tom Hanks sweating in wool clothes
1: is doing it for you. I think it is because he was all sweaty in Joe versus the volcano. And I wasn't like, yeah, that's totally my type. Sweating in a diner with like a hot cup of coffee, like black coffee and a fucking cinnamon bun that was made that morning and the fucking whirly gig toy and like i don't know like that fucking wind-up camera that jude law has like all of that (laughs) compounded to make him sweating in that booth a little bit hot
0: listen i I, i'm as much as i'm sitting here having a lot of fun with you right now i get it because i will say that this was a first wash for me I never saw this movie before or now, and I loved it. I thought it was really compelling. I thought the story—I mean, obviously, this—they say that this was Paul Newman's last kind of on-screen role, so it has that kind of, you know, historical fact about it. But yeah, the actual story itself, I thought was really compelling. And I mean, obviously, I love a period piece, but it's that thing where I was like, yeah, I think because. We have known Tom Hanks as a certain person, Splash, the Burbs. Like he's a fun loving romantic comedy guy. And when you see him in this role where he's like kind of a mean guy, gangster, and but definitely not fun loving, right? Mm-hmm. Footloose or fancy free, it is sort of a shock. And maybe like the shock of it is sort of. Cross wiring with the attractiveness of it, right,
1: I think so, because I stood up and took notice, and he's like I said, he's done tons of dramas, you know, Philadelphia castaway, like he has done serious roles as well, but not attractive until this for me until two thousand two Road to perdish. and I have to say that last scene with Paul Newman is so gorgeous. There are three scenes in this movie that I find so incredibly beautiful that. I would I actually would say and I don't usually do this I don't usually put rank things in this way this movie is easily one of my top tens
0: wow
1: easily one of my top tens hotness factor aside yeah me not getting it until aside I absolutely love the story I love the pacing I love the script I love everything about this movie the look the feel the vibe the tone it is a beautiful fucking movie
0: yeah I, I i thought it was great so many good people in it i mean jude law's character alone is like worth the price of admission he's kind of this like oh my god psychopath like a it kind of reminds me of like an H H holmes guy even though it's like that's that came way before i guess this era but um but yeah just in that really he's like a real twisted weirdo in this movie and i yeah. had not seen him in a long time i mean i think you know obviously like i hadn't seen him since his sort of heyday i guess but when i watched this movie you know i was like oh shit i forgot about jude law this is pretty great
1: yeah he's a he's again a great actor he's got his natural hairline in this movie he's doing some (laughs) gangle jangle down some railroad tracks like (laughs) he's fucking murdering people for hire so we can get a good picture like there's an artistry to him he's off the rails and it is really interesting and he's again like he's this young hot british actor guy who's playing this like scabby murderous Chicago photographer and uh he does it well. I would never have guessed that for him. Yeah. But he does it well.
0: Well, I mean, you know me. Listen, I I I, I'm in love with ghosts. I love a love a nineteen forties World War II pilot. So of course it's not a big leap to nineteen thirties Chicago area gangster for me. I see it. I see why you would think that Tom Hanks is attractive. I think that he is definitely playing against his type or his, you know, normal role and shit. It's dark. It's kind of menacing. He's walking around in old timey clothes with an old timey gun
1: and, and he's he's got this real connection to his we're seeing this real connection to his son develop throughout the film. Right. Which is so fascinating to me that as he's losing his own father figure, he becomes a better father figure to his son. Yes. And I just I I love to see it. I'd love to see it. I would make out with Tom Hanks in this movie.
0: Future boyfriends, take note,
1: you might have to get in some fucking trouser socks. You might need some like socks, suspenders, like, you know, those things they put around to keep the socks up, some garters, sock garters. some knickers. Yeah. You
0: might have to wear some knickers,
1: get some culottes, but actually don't. And that's the thing that's fascinating, too. Like, again, that whole aesthetic is not what does it for me. If someone showed up to my house on like a penny farthing with a fucking wool coat tomorrow, I'd be like, peace, goodbye. <laughs> but if it was Tom Hanks, I'd be like, take me for the ride of my life. Let's go.
0: You're saying the secret to this sauce is old timey clothes. Tom Hanks, maybe not cutting carbs that week. Maybe just sort of having some desserts. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe he's post vacation. Maybe he's just come back from a cruise and then no smiles whatsoever. No fun. And that is it. That's all it takes for him to be your dream man. I love it.
1: That's it. Amp up the clothing quota by double. Put on two shirts. Put on two pairs of pants. Put on two coats. Put a hat under your hat. And then say nothing. (laughs) And if you're Tom Hanks, I'm all yours. Damn. Well, listen.
0: What a bold and unexpected choice. (laughs) And I absolutely love it. I am here for it. This is a fucking safe space for any of this. And you know this. You know this. I have I have revealed just as shocking information. So I'm here. For I you.
1: appreciate it because, again, this is this is probably the first episode that I'm going to play in full for my therapist before our next meeting. <laughs> and i will be like, look, before we even hop on this phone, you better listen to this from start to finish.
0: Listen, I think when it comes down to it, I think the common thread between our two movies is that somehow we're not heyday people. We're not like, hey, give me. This actor in the most iconic, best role. We need him later on when the foundation has settled a little bit and when they're doing sort of like pensive, thoughtful, sort of, you know, menacing things. Like, we, we don't want the perfect specimen, funny, charming guy. We want the no. like sad, contemplative, aging guy.
1: And crucial the guy who shuts the fuck up <laughs> when they stop talking. I
0: mean, what a dream.
1: I'm all in. <laughs> it is crucial to the to the to the combo and I'm glad that you were able to to pull similarities out of these themes in that way because there is something about like you said which I think is perfect and I love it. The foundation settling that just meets me where I live right now. Yeah. And that's a big part of it.
0: Um, Again, I'll say it. Timothy Chalamet could never. (laughs) Even if he had a Tommy gun. No, thank you.
1: Even if he had a Tommy gun and it was 45 years from now. (laughs) I'm never going to buy that that dude is going to have a bad day. Come see me when the snail under eye masks are not working anymore. (laughs) And you just look like you got punched in the face in both eyes every day
0: by life by By life life. (laughs) oh my god (laughs) jesus
1: christ oh this was a fun one thank you thank you for not calling the cops on me thank you for (laughs) hearing me (laughs) thank you for understanding me i
0: i'll say it again i love thought experiments like this i love when we have a reason a really specific reason to talk about a movie like where we have to just say it, say what's on our mind and leave it there on the table. But I it was such a blast. Thank you for indulging my fascination um, with old Brad Pitt. But I would like to ask you, what are the movies for next week's episode?
1: Oh, I am excited. Um, the movies for next week are. The Lost Boys from 1987 and The Watermelon Woman from 1996.
0: Oh, my God.
1: What is that theme? And you guys are lucky because we also have a bonus episode coming up this Thursday.
0: We do. We have a bonus. So get on that Stitcher Premium tip. If you want a bonus with us, we have a lot of fun. It gets real wild. We don't really edit them too much. So you're getting unfiltered. (laughs) You know? We're like, it's like the GQ article of our podcast where we get real yes. raw.
1: And we're always in tears. Always. When we record.
0: Even when we're talking about MacGruber. Um, <laughs> If you want to email us, please do so at I saw what you did pod at
1: Gmail. You can also find us on our social media at I saw pod on Instagram and Twitter. We also have merch. I would be
0: remiss if we didn't mention the merch. It's in the exactly right shop at exactlyrightmedia.com.
1: And yeah, go there, do it. I'm I'm thinking about Tom Hanks again. I'm sorry, I zoned out. Like a coat without a button on it to like a coat that's so warm you don't need to close it. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop now.
0: <laughs> Just get into <laughs> the tree trunk of his bod. All right, I'm I got to stop because I'm getting this is like what do you call? What do you call it? Penthouse forum? <laughs> is that what it was called? The <laughs>
1: <laughs> penthouse forum. I feel like that's what it was called. Oh god! Yeah, let's let's stop it before we get sued. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a blast. I love doing this podcast with you. I love movies. I love talking.
0: Me too. It's always a pleasure. Thanks everybody for listening. See you next time.
1: Bye. This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Alexis Amorosi. Our engineer is Annalise Nelson. Our theme songs by Tom Bryfogle. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at I Saw Pod. Email us at i saw what you did pod at gmail. And please don't forget to listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.